To Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I love dogs and cats and the people who care about them. Every week I talk with authors and experts to expand our understanding and appreciation of the animals who share our lives. To hear earlier episodes of this show and download podcasts of other Pet Talk radio shows I co-host with top veterinarians and experts, please go to RadioPetLady.com. Dog Talk is a production of Pet Media Inc., which is solely responsible for its content. The birthplace of this show was WPPB 88.3 from Southampton, New York, and I'm proud to have been on Peconic Public Broadcasting for 575 consecutive shows over 12 years. I also produced the annual New York Dog Film Festival and the annual New York Cat Film Festival, sponsored by Comfort Zone and Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat with Waruva's support of both festivals, which are traveling the country, celebrating the human-animal bond while benefiting local animal welfare groups. Learn more at dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com. This show is brought to you with the generous support of Waruva, a family-owned pet food company whose owners want to feed their own pets and yours with ingredients that are good enough for people to eat. All the Waruva canned and pouch foods for cats and dogs come in endless varieties to satisfy even the fussiest pets and use the same care and quality ingredients as the food for people. The company name exemplifies the Foreman family's embrace of rescuing animals, naming the company after their kitties, W.E. for Webster, R.U. for Rudy, and V.A. for Vanessa, and they are passionate about good nutrition. Their Caloric Harmony Dry Food for Dogs is formulated on the principle of how the body actually utilizes food and the quality of the protein. You'll find Waruva wherever fine natural pet foods are sold. My guests today are Amy Burkert with the Ultimate Pet Friendly Road Trip. Oh my God, you can go to 48 states with your dog, with or without an RV, and see things you didn't even know existed. Jason Hargraves runs insurancequotes.com. He's going to talk about an article that he wrote explaining why pet insurance, well, he doesn't think it's as necessary as I do, but explains when it can be useful. And Mac Delaney will be here talking about his new book, Engineering for Cats, Better the Life of Your Pet with 10 Cat-Approved Projects. But first, let's get on the road with Amy, who is Ms. Go Pet Friendly with her husband, they traveled the country to make this book. And, Amy, my hat is off to you. You are a gumptious woman. <laughs> it was really a lot of fun. So it, it was a big undertaking, but it was so much fun that it kind of wiped out all, all the hard work. <laughs> I remember meeting you. It's got to have been 10 years ago when you first became Go Pet Friendly and sold your house and did this kind of thing that is the stuff of which old-fashioned movies are made. You and your husband said, the heck with regular life, the rat race, a house, a mortgage, a, a fuel bill. And you just hit the road with your Sharpay and your Shepherd in this beautiful RV. Ten, was it yeah. 10 years ago that you did it first? Yeah, we've been, yeah, we've been full. So we launched the website 10 years ago, and we have been full-time in our RV for a little bit more than eight years. We started out you know, kind of keeping a hold of the house in the very beginning, and then after six months on the road, Rod and I looked at each other and we're like, why would we ever want to move out of the RV? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like I said, gumptious, and not with two little chihuahuas. I mean, a full-size Sharpay and a big shepherd, and yet 
you all are cohabitating beautifully as you're putting 15,000 miles on your RV. Yeah, we absolutely love it. The dogs are, you know, the joy of it all, really. Um, watching them explore these new places and getting pictures of them in these places and collecting these memories together um, really is is what my life is all about. And being able to share that with other people just makes it all the more special. And have you, because you use social media, you started using it before anybody else in a sense because that's how you reach people. Do you have people sending you their pictures or sending you their questions? Yeah, in fact, I got a note yesterday from a couple who uh, drove, read about Mackinac Island, our visit to Mackinac Island, and decided that that's where they were taking their summer vacation. So they drove 3,000 miles, like they said, from San Antonio oh to Mackinac God. Island. <laughs> oh, and she my had to, goodness. She wrote me a note and sent me half a dozen pictures because they had such a great time. They wanted to, to you know, send their appreciation for the fact that we had shared that information and, and spurred them on to make this trip. Wow. But they're two dogs. Wow. So, yeah, there's there's at least one other crazy couple out there besides you. And, of course, having done this big, beautiful, I mean, it's, it's an elegant, big, fat, gorgeous, very photographically delicious book. You're hoping some other people might want to follow your lead. So you started Go Pet Friendly, which was to identify across the country all kinds of places that people could go with their pets and be welcomed. But this particular book has nine regional road trips and each has five or six stops. So they're, they're, they're nuggets, they're adventures, they're trips that you've broken down that people could do one by one. Correct. And basically over their pet's lifetime, right? So right. it's sort of what, what I was thinking. We did the trip in 10 months. So we stopped at the number one pet-friendly attraction in each of the lower 48 states in 10 months. I don't recommend anybody else do it that way. <laughs> A little exhausting, it was, was it? A lot. Yeah, it was a little daunting. It was a lot. It was a lot. And, um, you know, to try to coordinate with Mother Nature and make sure that you were in nice weather in all those places was a oh little overwhelming. So, oh, my God. What we, what we did was we thought, well, but people can do this over their pet's lifetime. So if we break it down into nine smaller trips that people could maybe take a couple of weeks or 10 days and, and they can go out and do these smaller sections, over their pet's lifetime they can collect the number one pet-friendly attraction um, in each of the states on their pet's bucket list. And I must say that it's important to note that while you have committed yourself to RV living and you love it and you're really good at it, in order to do these trips, you don't need to do it in an RV for those of us like uh, like me who are like, I don't want to learn how to drive an RV and I don't want my toilet to be sort of like right next to my bedroom, kitchen, whatever, and have to clean it all all the time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's absolutely not not essential that you have an RV. Um, you can, you know, you can use the book and then go to the Go Pet Friendly website. Yes. We've got 65,000 um, hotels, campgrounds, beaches, wineries, dog parks, restaurants Whoa. all around the country. So people can, you know, you can, you can kind of set your itinerary using the book and then find more things to do in each area. We also have a road trip planner so if people can tell it where they're starting from and where they're going to. It'll map their route. And it'll find all the pet-friendly things along the way, including these places that we visited. Okay, so that sounds like way, way above my pay grade as a totally non-techie person. Did you create, invent, or just request that that software exist? I, it was my idea for it, but I am not a programmer. So I have hired people 
to um, program the website for me. But we do crowdsource all the data. So as people really? are out traveling and finding new places to new hotels, new restaurants, new things like that, um, we have a way for them to add a listing on the website so they can notify us. We'll go out and gather all the information and then add it to the website. So it is a really nice way to help other people who are traveling with their pets. That's very cool. That's sort of like Waze, the uh, the GPS system that allows you to say if there's a cop up ahead. In your case, right, exactly. people as they travel can say, there's a really great rest stop up ahead and a restaurant that's friendly and a hotel that doesn't treat you like a, like a thief for trying to sneak your dog in in the middle of the night. Of course, you exactly. didn't have that problem because your guys slept with you in the RV. Yeah, we're really lucky that um, our boys really, for for us, the boys really now feel like the RV is home. And so when we travel, the scenery outside changes, but for them, their routine stays the same, their environment right. stays the same as we move around the country. And it's one of the reasons, really, that Rod and I have been able to do what we do um, because because the boys have this um, security of, of always having their same environment wherever we go, um, it allows them to be more comfortable, I think, as we move around. So it's sort of their den in a, in a very yeah. true sense. Yeah, and we all live in it together. <laughs> but for you, too, it's a den. Is so happy yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, I make the joke about the toilet being next to the kitchen being, you know, sort of in the bedroom. But the truth is that the, you knowing where your stuff is and you knowing um, – the routines and the comfort and even the cleanliness may be a lot nicer than stopping in places where the sheets are icky or I don't know, the bathroom's all made of plastic. I mean, if your bathroom's made of plastic in an RV, you know that it was built that way because it's an RV, not because it turns out to be a hotel that kind of, you know, it doesn't live up to some idea you have or some ideal you have. It does give you uh, that kind of, it's like why people like to take, I think those, those river trips, you know, because they don't want to yeah. have to find their way or have a new hotel every day or unpack. I mean, you don't have any of that. We don't have any of that, and we don't have any surprises. Like you said, you don't get to a hotel and have find out that they've changed the pet policy or, yes. you know, get to a hotel and it doesn't look anything like the photos looked on the, you know, on the computer screen when you were booking your reservation. Yep. We get to sleep in our own sheets every night. Another big benefit is that we get to cook our own meals. So I get really tired of actually eating out all the time. Yes, I Being able to that. cook for ourselves mm-hmm. is a big benefit. And it saves us a lot of money, honestly, too. Plus, we can eat a lot, probably a lot more healthily than we would if we were trying to eat out all the time. So, yeah. Definitely more They're- healthily. And you can stop. And I'm sure you've also found places that have farmer's markets and really cool local ingredients. So you can you can have a, a whole different experience of the of the environments you go into. What do you do for the doggies? You must keep their food consistent, I imagine, so you don't have any surprises there. Or do you let them savor some of the local specialties? Oh, well, you know, they've got, yeah, we are happy to share with the boys. And finding the local stuff is, you know, absolutely part of the fun. So, um yeah, we and if they've got stuff that the boys like. But Ty's a big fan of fruits and vegetables, so he's all into that um, kind of thing. Buster, on the other hand, uh, will put the fruit and the vegetables in his mouth and then turn his head and spit them out. <laughs> yes, yes. We, I have a Snoopy dog like that. She's like, really? Okay. I can certainly comply by putting it in my mouth and then poof, like Snoopy used to do. <laughs> exactly. So funny. I, I want to talk about some of the challenges of, of driving an RV around. I mean, I don't know how many, what percentage of humans do this in America? Is it 1% or 30% because I feel like kind of a weenie for not doing it. it. It does seem like the most wonderful way to be able to take 
your dogs with you. I'm intimidated by the, the driving of it, the seeing to the left and the right and never mind the parking or the gassing up. It, I mean, in the beginning, were you really intimidated by it? I was. I was terrified by it. And, and we're in a 37-foot Class A motorhome, so it's wow. shaped like a bus. And I do absolutely all the driving in this rig, have, have driven it from the no. moment that we picked it up on the lot. Yeah, Rod's never put this RV in gear. Wow. So I, I drive, do all the driving, and I was, I was terrified in the beginning, but it's sort of like anything else. It takes practice. You know, you get better at yes. it. You try not to put yourself into situ, you know, situations um, when you're just starting out that are beyond your limitations. So you stay on, right. you know, major highways, interstates, major highways, so that the lanes are a little wider. Um, you right. get a full through site at the campground, so you're not having to back it in. Um, you know, I we have a diesel engine in here, so we go through the truck stops. I don't go into normal oh, gas stations. Got it. Um, we go to the wide lanes at the truck stops, and that makes getting fueling up a lot easier. So there, you know, it, it there is a certain amount of learning curve, and get, it took me probably about five thousand miles of driving this to finally start to feel pretty comfortable. Um, of course, there's always things that come up that, you know, you'll go through a construction zone or you'll go through, you know, right. um, heavy traffic in a city, and that will still get my heart racing sometimes. Um, <laughs> Good. That means you're still alive and, right? and, and not a teenager. You, you right. actually well, realize yeah, there is danger. Exactly. Right. So, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, it's kind of like anything else. Like, you know, when you first started driving a car, it was a little That's bit right. intimidating. We moved Definitely. up to a small RV. That was intimidating for me. Then we got the big RV. And um, I was at Winnebago, actually, a few weeks ago. They do a big rally for their Winnebago owners every year. Are, and you, I you, are you a Winnebago woman? Yes, we are Winnebago owners. And so I helped actually teach a course called Women on Wheels. For women who are intimidated oh, to drive cool. their RV, yeah, it was really wonderful. It was my first year teaching that um, course with the other ladies that that uh, drive their RVs a lot, um, and we had sixty-seven women go through the program and got really great feedback. It was really uh, something I'm looking forward to doing again next year. I can't wait to do it again. It was a blast. Well, you. You know, just in talking about this, one realizes how many subcultures there are, maybe anywhere in the world, but certainly in America. So you have the subculture of people who sell their house and travel the country in an RV. Then there's the other subculture, the ones who do it with their dogs, or maybe they did it for their dogs. Then it turns out there's like a brand of RV that has rallies. And then there's the subculture of women who take the wheel. And it must be marvelous to be included in all these different subcultures, subgroups, people who split off from the rest of we sort of ordinary types and, and forge your own path. I think it's I think it's great and and something that if some if, if the rest of us could even dip our toe into it, it would expand our horizons. What, what kind of what kind of reaction do you have in the truck stops to this very uh, glamorous uh what do you call it when a when a RV is wrapped? Is it called wrapped? It's got all yeah, this that's logo and and verbiage on the outside. Go dot com. Do you go anywhere where people don't stop you and ask? Actually, we don't go anywhere where people don't ask about it, and that's really the, <laughs> that was the point of having it wrapped. So it's got the Go Pet yes. Friendly logo, and it's got you know inform- all the different types of information are pictured on the side of the RV, so people know um, you know what they can find on the website, and then it's got the it's got like a, a map, like a street map in the background or an interstate map in the background. That's yes. the background of it all. So people kind of get the idea that we're all about travel. 
and from the truck stops to the campgrounds to the um, you know the the wherever we're going, the rallies, whatever, we're always getting questions. Even here, I'm, I'm parked in my mom and dad's driveway right now, and we've had people stop and um, ask us about what the <laughs> RV is all about here at mom, my, mom, my parents' driveway. So, um, it's, But that's exactly what we want. We want people to Correct. know more about Go Pet Friendly, be able to use the website. It's a free-to-use website. You know, take your pets and go travel with them. You'll have more fun. They'll have more fun. It builds your relationship. You'll collect these memories because... Our pets are never with us long enough. It doesn't matter how long they live. It's That's never long enough. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. memories that we make together last forever. So if Go Pet Friendly can help people make those memories together, then I feel like I'm accomplishing what I was sent here to do. Oh, my God. That's so touching. Well, my next question was going to be a, a crass one, but it, we're Americans, so we can be crass. Oh, you know, in sure. England you can't, Or in Europe, you can't say, what do you do for a living? But I was going to say, how do you make a living at this? Is it the advertising on GoPet Friendly? Because I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the website's free and the information's free. So how do you make a living at it? Yeah, it's the advertising that allows us to make a living. Nice. Yeah, and now the book, you know, sales will hopefully be, be good as well. But, yeah, it really all comes down to the advertising that's in place on the blog and on the website. And, you know, uh, Rod still runs his own business as well. So I won't say that I'm oh, – really? currently is supporting us entirely. He's a business consultant and a coach. And, um, he, yep, he's been working from the RV for almost nine years I'll now. I'll be darned. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's really smart. You have like not just the fallback, but it's it's just sort of like a safety net, or maybe it is the whole net, and maybe this is the the cherry on top. But it's I always salute either women driven or just little human driven businesses that thrive. That someone has a dream and a passion, and they find a way to make it work. Because think of how many people fall on their keister, right? I mean, it's not that easy to do. You could have this great idea and wrap your RV, and if you weren't working it and thinking of how to monetize it and how to develop it and how to do the outreach, you'd be kind of lonely on the road. Well, right. There wouldn't be all these people interested, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to. You, know, you build a community. You use your show social media yes. platforms to build your community, yes. but even still, like you said, it's been 10 years since we launched Go Pet Friendly. A lot of people would probably have said, you know what, i got to move on and do something else. So there's, I've got yep. a little saying that pops up on my calendar once a month, and it says, uh, there are massive returns for dogged determination. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and so I try to keep that in so mind great. and be tenacious, right? Because it is, it's a yes. long, hard road to build a business, and um it takes a lot of And to effort. sustain it. Yeah. And to sustain it. I mean, that's the tricky part. I mean, you get to a, a level of success, which you did. Maybe it's what you was your goal. Maybe it exceeded it. But to keep it at that place, you you can't let it down for a minute. You just have to constantly be feeding it. It's like a little monster that needs feeding all the time. <laughs> Luckily, you love what you're doing. But it's like, come up with another place. Come up with another idea. Take a better photo. I, I have to say that. People with two-legged children or no children at all, this book really is a celebration of America and all the places and things that you can enjoy. So you don't have to have dogs with you. You don't even have to have little human creatures with you. There's some wonderful ideas and delightful places that if for whatever reason you wanted to fly there rather than drive there and so your dogs stay home with a dog sitter, some of these are really quite extraordinary. I mean, it makes me feel guilty that I haven't seen more of America and like, I don't know, the Magnolia Plantation and Gardens in South Carolina. 
God, that sounds so appealing, and there's probably amazing food and other things right there. And yeah. if I took the dogs, they'd get credit for it, but really it's Go Pet Friendly that gets the credit. So the book is wonderful. It's called The Ultimate Pet Friendly Road Trip, A Guide to the Number One Pet Friendly Attractions. The S is missing on my copy, but I know it'll be fixed. In 48 states and Washington, D.C., with more than $200 in coupons that you can also redeem as you go to each of these, it's like it's like a, a it's like a, a a hunting trip, right? Yeah. You get to the place where you can use your your coupon. You've done a great job. It's really wonderful. I'm sure you've logged tens of thousands of miles all on woman power, and and that's a wonderful thing. Congratulations, Amy, on 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 a decade of success and on this wonderful book. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I'll be right back after this quick word. This show is made possible in part by Precious Cat Litter, owned by Dr. Elsie, who has his own cats-only clinic in Colorado. He has devoted his life to inventing innovative litters for the health of all members of the family. Dust-free litter and cat-attract litter that has herbs which draw the cats into the litter box. Now he has created healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. 90% of the protein in clean protein kibble and cans is animal-based, not the plant-based ingredients in most dry cat food, like grains, potato, vegetable, and fruits, which can actually increase your cat's hunger. The high biological value proteins in clean protein result in your cat's appetite being satisfied longer without compromising her health, making this a healthy dry food for your cat, even as a part of her diet. This show is also supported by Comfort Zone, Proven Calming Solutions for Cats. Is your cat stressed? Was he recently adopted or have you moved? Everyday stressors can make good cats act out, leading to unwanted behavior issues like scratching, urine marking, and inter-cat conflict. Veterinarians recommend using pheromone diffusers and spray, which are scientifically proven to help lower stress in cats and thereby reduce urine marking and destructive scratching. And the new Comfort Zone Multi-Cat Diffuser is proven to reduce conflict between cats who share the same home. These more effective new diffusers plug into any outlet and release soothing pheromones into the area for 30 days. Calming cats experience many kinds of stress with two different formulas that can help create calm and harmony in your kitties' lives and your own. Satisfaction guaranteed. Less stress, more love. Comfort Zone. I am back with Jason Hargraves, who has a company called InsuranceQuotes.com, which is just what it sounds like. And I was sent some news about them dipping their toe into pet insurance. And all of you know, pet insurance, that's my favorite topic. So, Jason, welcome to the show and welcome to the pet insurance part of your world. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, you know, the pet insurance is, is, is kind of a, a fun topic. Um, it's, it's a necessary topic. and It's one I think it's not been addressed too well in this country. So I'm, I'm glad to be kind of out there representing it and trying to, to, to stress the importance of having it. I agree completely. Um, as people know who've read my books and listened to the show for years, and, and even to my other shows like The Expert Vet and Pet Cancer Vet, where where pet owners wind up with bills five figures, sometimes six figures, and they're, they'll call in or write in with this particular problem, anything from, oh, my dog has cancer to my cat has been throwing up and I just got a $3,800 bill and the cat still isn't even well or fully diagnosed. So the, you've, you've written a good article 
um, for insurancequotes.com about pet insurance. But since it's new to you and mostly what your company does is help, I guess what you do or you tell me, do you sh- help people shop and compare like progressive versus travelers auto insurance and see which would be better for them? Or is that, is that sort of what you do? Exactly. We, what we do is we cover auto insurance, home insurance, business insurance, and life insurance, and even in health insurance. So what we do are kind of a one-stop shop. You can come, uh, enter a little information, and we can give you real-time quotes from all the major carriers and also some smaller carriers you might not be aware of. And you can shop through those or be connected to those instantly if you like, or they can reach out to you. So we're basically a one-stop shop for all of those, and that's been our business model. But we've noticed we've had a lot of people interested in pet insurance, so we're trying to, to really open up that market and give people an idea to shop around because, like you said, it, it you know it, it's something that – Vet bills can be astronomical these days, and it's something people need some help in covering it. It's it's funny because people don't realize, you know, 10 years ago or so, all the advancements in pet care, it it wasn't really there. You know, the pet had to suffer. And so it wasn't on anyone's radar because you took your dog or your cat in and they did what they could, but, you know, you necessarily didn't have an IV set up or taken right. into like an intensive carrier. And now all these things are available. And, and as most, you know, I'm a dog owner and as any owner knows, you're going to do anything to, to help your pet or alleviate their pain at that moment. So the bills all of a sudden where it wasn't you go to the vet and they do what they can and, and you make do. Now all of a sudden it's, it's like thousands and thousands of dollars in very extensive treatments that are available. And it's your call to make those choices. But it would be really nice for people to, to be able to make those choices without it being a strictly financial decision to know that they have somebody in their corner to help them, you know, be able to afford this if that's what they want to do. That's, that's definitely true. And I've read articles in the Wall Street Journal and Fortune magazine. I don't know. All the places that have to do with managing your money kind of writing over the years. And I think they, while American pet owners don't fully understand how pet insurance works, it's quite different than car, house, or it health is. insurance yeah, for humans, it is. it's, I think, also the people writing about it, and a little bit true maybe even in your article, which I'm going to have a link to that goes along with the podcast of this show, mm-hmm. you're talking about you and, and people that aren't in the insurance business but are looking at it from a financial perspective. They're saying, well, if you have to spend $50 a month on a dog that lives 10 years, X dollars, you should put that away, some of them say, in a bank account. Well, nobody's doing that. And no. if you did it for a year, when your dishwasher breaks, you're going to go take that money to buy the dishwasher because that's human nature. Yeah. No one, no one has five or ten or twenty thousand dollars to set aside. If they do, then they don't need to think about pet insurance. If they have that kind of money that ten, twenty grand is like, oh well, well then sure, you don't need any kind of insurance. Just pay everything in your in your life from your own bank account. Yeah, wouldn't but, that be great? <laughs> yeah, it, well, yes and no. I mean, you know, as someone yeah. once said to me, I've never really met a nice or happy billionaire. I don't know. I might well, have met a couple accidentally. Who knows well, how you, happy and you know, and what, and what people don't also realize is that's a great plan of action for your dishwasher. But your pet's usually a member of your family. You're probably not emotionally attached to your dishwasher. If you are, that's another story for another day. <laughs> But, you know, you have to remember this This is a member of your family. This is your pet. There's emotions involved. So it's a lot more complicated than that, and, you're, and, and it should be more complicated than that as far as prioritizing. And I'm not talking about savings. Things happen. I, I get what's going on. But, I mean, this is, this is like a member of your family. I keep repeating that. But it's true, and that's a whole different approach you're going to take because you're going to go the extra mile and do what you can. And, that, and, and so you, you're probably very likely to, to spend what you, you, you can to make it happen. 
happen. And that's what we talk about with the pet insurance. But you are right that one thing people don't understand, that pet insurance is very different than health insurance for you and your family um, because usually, you know, you have – in-network, out-of-network, or all kind of right. different lists of, of the policies. But basically with pet insurance, you can go to any vet you want because the contract's between you and the insurer. So you basically have to go to a vet and then you submit reimbursement. So that's one thing I like to tell people. It's not like you have a copay generally or anything like that, and one day that may change. But right now you might have to expect to be out of pocket this money until you get reimbursed. So that's always Something I let people know is, you know, when you go in to, to have a procedure done, you're going to get the bill. You'll probably have to pay the bill unless you can work out something with your vet, and then you submit that, and, and then the insurer gives you the money to pay the vet. So the vet's always cut out of this scenario. So you, you usually have to be out, uh, out the money up front unless you work a, something out with your vet, and many vets are very uh, amenable to this, um, some more than others, depending on what the process or the procedure is needed. But it, you get reimbursed, so you don't have to worry about going to a particular vet is this bet on my plan? It's, it's nothing like that. It's a very, it, at this stage of the game, it's very different than that. It's basically you have a vet bill, you submit it, and depending on what your policy covers, and now the policy can cover many things, so that's something else we really want people to be aware of, to know sh- exactly what your pet insurance policy covers. But it's basically between you and the insurer. Yeah, but, but Jason, let me interrupt mm-hmm. and say that while you're out of pocket the money, if you put it on a credit card and you have a good pet insurance company and you submit that bill that day, by email or fax, that money will be back in your bank account or in a check to you well before the credit card bill is due. Absolutely. Now, that's what I've found with Healthy Paws. There are some companies that may take a lot longer to pay you. That's much less good. And I think one of one of the problems with an insurancequotes.com comparison side-by-side is, A, it has to go into the fine print, which is yes. why a lot of people are a little burned by pet insurance. Mm-hmm. They've gotten there. There's a company that's been around forever, and I don't speak negatively of brands on the air of any kind, only positively of the ones that I know personally right. from research or personal experience do a good job of whatever the product or service is. Those other companies deny things that you had to read the very, very, very fine print to see what they deny. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you must have – you aren't always comparing apples and apples. It's not how much per month. It's when there's when there's a – not when there's a problem. When there's a medical bill of any kind, are they going to nitpick and go, oh, no, no, that's a big problem with Sharpays. We never said we would cover skin things in Sharpays, for example. Well, you don't want a company that excludes all kinds of genetic hereditary kind of problems pre-existing is different we can talk about that in a minute pre-existing would be a form of insurance fraud if your dog was lame and you went and bought pet insurance and all of them have a two-week waiting period and then you took your dog to the vet and they said oh my god a torn acl here's a six thousand dollar procedure and you're thinking yeah boy i'm smart that's going to be covered because so many people did that which is truly a form of fraud some of the companies, all of them have a six-month waiting period on ACL tears, which is, I think, a 5 or $6 billion overall cost in the country to consumers and then theoretically maybe to insurers. But some of them even have a one-year waiting period. To, uh, just because that is such a common, sadly, a common medical problem mm-hmm. in dogs and so expensive and people have not paid into the system in good faith and then had the bad luck of something happening and being covered. I guess 
the the thing that bothers me, which I was was saying earlier about the Wall Street Journal or Times or or anybody who writes about pet insurance, they say put away that fifty dollars a month and then you'll have all this money in the bank. Well, a it won't be enough to cover something really serious, mm-hmm. and b they talk about catastrophic. Yeah, like it's only if your dog gets run over by three cars going in three directions. It's no, it's if your dog feels sick. Or in the case of my dog, is a little tiny bit lame. Right. You get one diagnostic MRI, and that bill was $4,500. Now, the dog had not been treated yet. Right. She hadn't even been diagnosed yet. And because I had the insurance, I had chosen the $500 yearly deductible, Mm -hmm. which had been covered by the dental extraction, which was covered because she had cracked teeth. So I'd already paid my $500 deductible for the year for that pet, not for that event. And some pet insurance companies say, well, we'll take X dollar, $100 off of each medical event. See, that's very different, too. Yes, very but different. Because the 500 had been already taken care of, they paid 90% of $4,500. I'd already learned that 70 or 80% does not benefit the pet owner because when the bills get up into the stratospheric numbers, thousands and tens of thousands, the difference between 10 or 20% to you, the pet owner, is a lot of money. Better to pay the few extra bucks a month and get back 90% of the bill and go, oh, thank you. And then, by the way, I couldn't believe this. I get a get well card for Maisie. All she had at that point was the MRI, and she had bat- she has a, a disintegrated disc and a bulging disc. It's pretty serious. But I'm not going to do surgery. That's just a personal choice. Sure. But Healthy Paws didn't know that. And I've, th- she's going to acupuncture and chiropractic and getting glucosamine supplements, all of which is covered. But I got a, a Get Well card signed by everyone in the company. It's a small company, mm-hmm. it turns out, saying things like, Maisie, I hope your back feels better. This must be really stressful. Oh, my God. That sort of goes beyond customer service. That's like real people reading the claim and knowing what that impact is on the owner. Exactly. So, so you know, how do you compare that to a company that's owned by a big international insurance company and they've bought up a pet insurance company and now it's just one cog in the wheel and no one's sending you a get well card for your car, you know, <laughs> nor should they. <laughs> no, so, they're you know, not. That's, I think that there's... There's and, and there are other good companies besides Healthy Paws. I mean, Trupanion's good and Pet Plan. There's really good companies. But how do you as insurancequotes.com help people see behind what looks like just a monthly amount that mm-hmm. could be 5 or $10 difference? How are you going to do that? Well, and this is what I tell people with almost any in, in insurance policy, but it's especially true for pet insurance. Like I said, we're just now getting into this, but I have done many pet stories before and have and, familiar enough with the industry but the best thing people can do obviously you check the reputation of the company and that's you know you do a little online research you have this and that so that helps too but one thing i always tell people and like i said i think this is especially true with pet insurance talk to someone with a company and come up with a different scenarios and have them walk you through the process like oh that's a good idea like, okay i'm bringing my dog in who the, the leg is broken What's going to happen? How much would that cost? How much? How much that would it be? Well, I'm gonna, then I'm going to submit mine to my insurer, and then you know, then you ask your insurer, how, how do you have a, a two-week turnaround, a three-week turnaround? Really right. make them walk you through the process of several different scenarios. And if you maybe know your dog, uh, maybe he has upset stomachs a lot. Really work through that and know. This is what I can expect because, you know, when you're in a stressful situation, the last thing you want to do is be surprised by the process. But really right. talk to the agent, 
and go through the process, and I mean the process of, okay, this is what's wrong. They're like, oh, well, we wouldn't really cover that. And you'd be like, oh, that's not good. And then you could be right. like, okay, I've, I've, now I've faxed you or emailed you a copy of the bill. What do you guys do with it? And they could be like, well, then it right. has to go. Like, ooh, I, right. I'm going to get my money. What is the red flag you guys may look at? So if you really right. – it's one thing to talk to people and them ask you questions, but I've learned, especially with health insurance, and this goes for people and it goes for pets, if you – Make the insurer or the representative of the insurer give them scenarios and be creative and come up with a lot of them. I mean, and then you can really you learn a bit more about the company and they'll really reveal a bit more and you can get a better idea of what to expect. But definitely from the treatment down to the payment down to the last check they're going to send you, really make them walk you through it in different scenarios. And I think that helps you get a good idea and of course you want someone with a solid reputation like you said like healthy paws so you know that helps too but also to know that on it doesn't do any good to go online to see online comments because there are also kind of fake websites or amalgamating places that say oh they take one person's very bad comment about a pet insurance company which may be true and it may be false and it may be a plant from a competitive company by the way sure well you have so yeah. those Unfortunately, you have to be really cynical about it. I hate to say it, but you have to be cynical about it. I love your idea of calling the company and saying, I'm considering you and I'm considering pet insurance, but I have my doubts. Can you explain it to me and then have them walk you through it? I think that's a really great idea. What do you recommend to people that go to insurancequotes.com if you make recommendations? Maybe you don't actually make them. Um, let's say I want to choose between State Farm, Travelers, Progressive, or I don't know, some famous other names of auto insurance. Mm-hmm. How, do you are there are there any of these vagaries behind the the curtain in car insurance or is the dollar amount that is covered and what they're going to charge you based on the value of your car and maybe your driving record is that a set a, a set situation or do you find a company that'll say oh I'm sorry we didn't we don't cover Chevrolets anymore I'm kidding but I mean is there something like that behind the scenes or not really um not exactly it's pretty it's pretty straightforward because this is all regulated by the state and insurance is extremely regulated so when people are I calling so. us for that they're really looking at um they're really good at how can i save money and, and get the most of my insurance so what you'll do is you'll c- come up with policies that are very similar um covering the same amounts of it's going to cover one hundred thousand dollars for a liability you, you can match the numbers up pretty well and you can compare pretty well the difference i find comes in and this is just people's personality and this works for any insurance you're going to have some customers who really are they want to do everything online don't want to talk to a person i just want to get my information and and, and go about my business especially a lot of uh, a lot of millennials and the younger generation you have some people that really want a relationship with their agent. They want to be able to call right. their agent and talk or go walk into their the, their office down the street and have a cup of coffee. And you really want to form this relationship. So if something happens to you, you just call up Bob and say, hey, and Bob's right. really upset. He's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to take care of it. So some people are more comfortable nice. having this relationship, and other people don't want to be bothered by it. So that's really one of the biggest things I find is – Many of the policies are, and, and not all insurance companies are created equally, but many of the people, it, it's a matter of I want the cheapest thing possible and that's all I want versus I don't mind paying a little more if I know I'm going to have a voice and a person and, that I can actually connect with. So it's really more uh, how you feel about the process and what you think is more important to you. And so that's what we find different, and that's why we can put you in contact with uh, an agent, if you call us, we can put you through it with the different ones. You can talk to them. A lot of people are really price comparing and price shopping, and it's it's easy to do 
from that sense because we're comparing apples to apples. But like you were saying with pet insurance, and we're just kind of getting started on this, it's it's a little different to, to compare because the process is, is different. So I think there's much more of an emotional element that's going to be involved in that, and we're going to have to adjust with that as the industry grows. And, and as you know, the pet industry, the, the thing that I find so funny is only one, as you know, only 1% of dogs and cats in North America are insured, and that's a crazy low number. And I don't think many people would guess that was that low, but it's growing. It's growing a lot. And so I think as this does happen, we're going to be adjusting and coming up with ways to make a pet insurance more available, accessible, and transparent. Lovely. Well, we've run, we've almost run out of time. I just want to say, I want to introduce you to two or three other companies that I happen to. I've been in touch with all these companies over the years because I'm such a fan of pet insurance and hope that they'll all be part of insurancequotes.com so that you can shop and compare and people can shop and compare all the, all the options that are open to them. It's true. 1% of people and yet the pet insurance industry is booming. It's growing enormously. So, there, it's a funny moment in time. It's going to take off like a rocket, and I really do hope for everyone's sake that people begin to be more comfortable with it and and uh, accept it more readily. Thank you so much, Jason. Yes, thank you. And I'll give a, a link to your article into insurancecourse.com so that people can catch okay. up with it. I'll be right back after this quick word. This show is brought to you in part by Iceland Pure Omega-3 Fish Oils for Pets from some of the world's cleanest rivers and oceans in Iceland and Norway. Iceland Pure has removed the fishy odor from their human-grade salmon, sardine, and anchovy oils, making their pharmaceutical-grade fish oil more pleasant for you and your pets. Scientific studies show that a full daily dose of omega-3s reduces inflammation in all cells of the body, especially the joints, and enhances blood flow, in particular to the brain, whether yours or your pet's. But it's essential to know where fish oil comes from and how it is handled to be sure your pet is receiving the anti-inflammatory benefits. Iceland Pure's human-grade fish oils come from reliable sources and are never bottled in plastic, which breaks down the oil, affecting its purity, but instead in their distinctive green aluminum pump bottles. Iceland Pure, the clean power of nature. This show is also brought to you by Best Pet Rx, a unique compounding pharmacy for pets in New York City with overnight delivery anywhere in the country. They can turn any medication your dog or cats need into a custom-flavored oral paste, chewable tablet, or liquid. And if your pet won't like it, they'll keep making formulas at no extra charge until you get one your pet will take. Best Pet Rx, so your fur kid can happily take the medicine she needs to get well and stay well. I am back with Susan Kuroski, who is the head of Pets for the Elderly, which is a wonderful organization doing something I adore, which is giving older people a chance to have pets in their life in a way that they support. Pets for the Elderly Foundation. Susan, welcome to the show, and congratulations on your 80,000th adoption. How about that? We just hit it this week, 80,000 since we went national in 2002. And that's not just 80,000 animal lives saved and 80,000 senior lives enhanced. It's also $4 million in expenditure. Wow. Wow. Yes. Not cheap to, to, to enable people who are, who are getting on the other side of, uh, into their golden years, let's say, and these animals who are just perfect for them because you, do you try to choose animals who are the quieter ones or depends on, on how active the elderly person is? It's really interesting. There are so many aspects to this because what we fund is any adopter, 
age 60 and over. And um, that, that tends to bring up an image when we say elderly that they're not as mobile. But I'm over 60 and I'm... So am I. Oh, my God. I'm thinking elderly, really? Well, of course, I do get a discount at the, at the movie theater. So, you know, it has its benefits. Right. We're, we're still perky as can be. And that's that's one of the points is that um, we seniors like our discounts, and this is um, so helpful. Quite often, people go into one of our participating shelters, and they're just looking for an animal, and then they find out that they're getting this discount, right. and that's just a bonus. Is it based on need, Susan, or... or- I'm supposing that someone who wants to rescue slash adopt and is okay financially wouldn't take your help because you're there to really support those living on a fixed income or, or not. It, it, there is no income requirement. What we do, we do all of our work through shelters, and our founder had this motivation of not only getting animals out of shelters, but getting companionship for seniors. We really are a, a, a two-for-one kind of foundation. Yes. And his his whole motivation was this companionship. So doing this work through shelters, what we do is we set them up and tell them, okay, you're part of the program, start giving these discounts, and then we reimburse them. And we pretty much let them go through their adoption process, their qualification process. And most shelters these days, things have changed a lot just in the 15 years since we started this program, but most shelters have adoption counselors. So we don't have an age or income. Well, we do have an age restriction in the seniors, but we don't have an income restriction, and we don't have an age restriction on the animals. But we do ask those counselors to use common sense. You don't put a bounding puppy on a leash with someone using a walker. And most seniors know that they want to uh, take an animal that is a little quiet, more quiet. Or maybe they are living in a situation that has some restrictions and they can only have a cat or a small dog. So the counselors at the shelters take care of clearing all of that for us and and what are the bonuses that you get you you you, do you help cover the adoption fees we give up to fifty dollars off on the cost of adoption that and if let's let's just say that the cost to adopt a dog at one shelter is fifty dollars that means everything is covered maybe it's seventy five dollars but that seventy five dollars covers includes the cost of spaying and neutering and the first set of shots. So if that's part of the adoption fee, we still cover the $50. The adopter only pays the 25 Now, we're a national organization now. We're in all but 15 states, so adoption fees can vary a great deal depending on where the shelter is located. But so, some of them, it's very, it's very inexpensive. I remember when I first adopted in what had been the old Southampton shelter, I think the adoption fee was $12.50. And that, that wasn't in the dark ages. That was when I first moved to the Hamptons. It would have been in the early 90s. So, you know, I, I, the cost of, of maintaining these animals for a long time in these facilities has gone up, and there's all yes. kinds of behavioral interaction with them to make them more adoptable. And... In those days, spay-neuter was something you could do on your own afterwards, and they would give you a voucher for it. But 
it wasn't mandated and it wasn't done by the shelter. Right. There are very few shelters now that let an animal leave if it hasn't been altered. Yep. And we've, we have really grown and educated ourselves nationally over the last 15 years. It's uh, just since we started this program, it's amazing to me uh, how much wiser we've gotten generally about the issues for animals. Do you, do you have the feeling with those 80,000 adoptions that some of them might not have taken place if it weren't for your support, or is it more just a continued encouragement to the shelter staff to always look at all ages of, on the human spectrum to it's place hard. animals? From where I sit, it's hard to tell if they would not have taken place. But one of the things that we really strive for is to add a shelter to our program and support them on an ongoing basis. This this isn't a one-year, year in, one-year, year out. We want them to become known in the community as a place that older adults can go and get an animal at a reduced rate. And so... I think it it snowballs, it builds that way. Um, perhaps they would have gone to a different shelter for an animal, but then they remembered that they could go and get this, this discount at this shelter. And, and that they'd be welcome. I imagine that yeah. there may be people that are upwards of 70. Let's just pick a, a higher number to make those of us that are over 60 more comfortable <laughs> to think that somebody else is the elderly, not us. And they might feel maybe self-conscious, maybe that they would be turned down, maybe that they would be treated themselves as a not a desirable adopter because of their age. So having the Pets for the Elderly program be there, they'd, they'd feel perhaps more welcomed and more wanted or needed. And, and in fact, it might even be the case. It has happened. It actually happened more when I first started with the organization. I started in 2006. And I used to get calls fairly often from people that had gone to a shelter, not in our program, but they would call me and say, I have a note from my doctor that a pet would be good for me. And I went to this shelter and they refused to adopt my age. Can you make them give me an animal? And naturally, if it's in not a shelter in my organization, I, I can't do anything about that. But uh, it is happening less and less. I think that, again, I think we're getting wiser. Just in the, in the 12 years that I've been with the organization, the abundance of evidence about the benefit to older adults to have this animal companionship is it's just snowballing. There is more and more of it. It was interesting because our founder actually started this organization, but we weren't national until 2002. He started it in 1992, and it was just something that he knew. He knew that he benefited from the companionship of his animals. He was a a single man. Mm -hmm. He was already in his 70s. He just knew it intuitively, and so then he set out to find the evidence, to find the information, and there wasn't much of it. Now we're finding something almost every week, every month, we get uh, a Harvard Women's Health newsletter that talks about instead of companionship. It's very much out there. Coincidentally, there's a lot of talk about um, the epidemic 
of isolation in older adults. Yes. And this is a way to help. And it isn't just that they have something to care for in the home or to, you know, somebody that needs them. And I do use the term somebody. Right. I noticed that <laughs> very much in, in use here. But um, it gets them out of the house, whether it's to go out shopping for the food or to, to take a walk and to interact with their neighbors. There is so much that's done to reduce the isolation when we have a, an animal in our lives. And for those animals... Um, be it a cat or a dog, it's actually a much better home for many of them emotionally than a busy young couple with children or without who are gone all the time, who yeah. are busy doing other things and distracted by things. Oh, did you feed the dog? I don't know. Did you feed the dog? As opposed to the truly elderly that might be retired that are just there with that animal all the time. And Myself, with my Weimaraners, I know that that's the most important thing to a Weimaraner. It's not what people think, which is they need a lot of exercise. They're all wound up. No, they actually need to be with people all the time, and they're chill. It's yeah. the being with people that makes them feel good. And kitties are so neglected by even loving cat owners who think, well, the cat's aloof. The cat isn't that interested in interacting. It's that you didn't make the first move. And with the elderly, they're looking for ways to interact with their pets and make that bond that actually has a two-way communication. Yeah. So it can be a, a much more rewarding, satisfying life for the animals, too. I'm wondering if you're aware of, I'm guessing you are aware of, but have you thought about being involved in any of these long, I'm going to call them long-term care facilities, it's not the right word, senior living facilities where a very few of them are allowing the people to have dogs and cats and they even have staff members who help to bathe the animals sometimes to walk them take them for vet visits they have vets who come once in a month or something to do what's needed is that something that you've considered making outreach to where there are conglomerations of older people we have we've uh, right now we look at the shelters that apply to be in our program and look at the community around them to see who would benefit. Um, we are still primarily focused, and a lot of this has to do with finances, we are primarily focused on just this shelter and um, older population. But we get drawn in fairly often. People contact us and say, uh, can you tell us where to go legally to get our community to allow us to have pets? Can right, you? right. There, there is so much of that. With and again, being national, the um, culture is so different from one coast to the other. For the whether it's the senior living situations or the attitude about the companion animals, so. Where do you see it most, if, if you could say, is there an area that's most welcoming to this concept that seniors and pets really benefit from each other's company and, and, and a facility? There are so many of these facilities that are owned by conglomerates themselves, right, that own a lot of right. these very nice places where people are perfectly well can go live when they're older and have all the services that you'd have sort of in a hotel or a, a B&B, &B, and then if they 
become unwell, then they're looked after also. Do you find that there's parts of the country that are definitely more inclusive of the possibility of pets? I would think from, and this is just my personal experience, it's not anything I've studied, right. but it right. seems like the East Coast is more amenable to that kind of Interesting. thinking. Um, we're finding quite often that some of our shelters in both the East Coast and the upper Midwest, Midwest, uh, are not having as many animals come into the shelters. They have been very successful with their spay and neuter programs, with their educational programs, and they uh, are looking to other areas to transport animals to them. So I think perhaps it's got something to do with the length of time that these things have been established. I have a shelter in our program that's been in existence, I think, since 1942. Wow. So if they've been, this is pure speculation on my part, but I think that if they've been functioning longer, they have more experience, more possibilities to fund research, to to do more community outreach. We have a, a shelter in our program in Pennsylvania that has just amazing educational programs. They do, once a month, they do a, a bereavement program. They have like a little candlelight service wow. for people who have lost pets. So those that are well-funded, well-educated uh, they just are able to do more of that community outreach and activism. I, you know, I shouldn't leave out California. It's what the seventh largest right. economy in the world now. <laughs> right. And they also have some highly uh, motivated programs going. With, um, I think it's the Los Angeles area that is doing a. They're making it a no-kill city. And so their shelters have just become really active at uh, getting the animals through and, and getting people educated and putting all these programs into place. And there, I have been contacted by some people there that are very interested in making sure that the uh, senior living options are more open to animals. I think it's fantastic. I think what you've already done is great. and. Keeping up this work is tremendous. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. Kiss your kitties, hug your pooches, and reach out to some old people like Susan and me and (laughs) recommend that they go adopt a pet. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Bye for now.